check 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 go ahead talk to me mic check one two one two two mic check one 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 two so we good on the audio audio popping off all right press go ahead press the button this is gonna be a slow roll you want to slow roll it in all right, check, 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 check. All right, it's King Teeth here, and um, this is an exclusive one-on-one I got going on with my guy in the building. He's a legend, Cleveland legend. Uh, he's straight out of Atlanta right now, though, uh, straight off the flight. My guy, M-Stacks, how you doing, man? What's up, Teeth, man? I'm glad I'm glad to be here, bro. That's a fact, man. We've been trying to do this for a minute. Yeah, we've been trying to set it up, man, but we finally made it happen. So. And that's important. That's yeah. the most important part. I'm ready to get into it tonight, my G. Yeah, sir. Got the back wheel rolled up. Yep. Feeling good. Yep. So how was the flight, man? The flight was straight. I had a uh, connecting flight in Charlotte, man. I'll never do it again. <laughs> the only reason I did it is because it was like on some last minute type shit. I can cuss on here or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so some last minute type shit. So it was the flight options was real scarce the way it was looking. Mm-hmm. But that was the best one, the hour layover in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck it, I'll do it. Right. But I'm not doing that on my way back. Hell yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I feel that. So nah. how you living down there? How's Atlanta? How's, you know, the scene and everything? No, nah, Atlanta Atlanta is great. Um, they embrace me with open arms. But I was already networking with hella people from the city anyway. Yeah. So they was all, all happy to just see me actually there. And, yeah, make that real I mean? move. Yeah, exactly. People have been telling me for the longest, like, mm-hmm. get out of the city. Like, honestly, like, people that I looked up to in the music industry, like, when I was coming up, whenever I asked them for advice, mm-hmm. that was always the main thing. You got to get out of your city. Mm-hmm. You got to get out of your city. Not because Cleveland is a bad place, but just because it's so small for what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. And at first, I always took it like they was throwing shade on the city. But as I got older, I understood, like, it's bigger than Cleveland. You okay. Know what I mean? yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, we're going to come back to that. We're going to hold that right there. But you was talking about your come up real quick, right? Yeah. And, um... You started real young. You yep. started you you was you was you hit hard at like sixteen. Yeah, like sixteen. Like I got my first big placement at like nineteen though. But I yeah. started doing music when I was thirteen, so I feel like I got a head start. But my first placement, I want to say, it was like fresh out of high school type shit. Probably I was in college, but I was still young though. So what made you jump into the music game? What made you? What was some of your inspirations and stuff? Um, my 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 main. Uh, influence on the production and growing up was was uh, Alchemist. He was my favorite. Alchemist go hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was my favorite coming and on the DJ side. I looked up to Mick Boogie, who's Mick now. Okay. Mick Boogie and Terry Urban, like what they was doing on the on the mixtape side yeah. of things. Yeah. I was, I was tapped in and tuned in the whole way, paying attention. Like yeah. So when I start my DJ career, this how I'm gonna do it. Uh huh. You know. So you it help you with your format. And even when I met Mick. For the first time, you know, he was like, yeah, I heard you before, bro. Uh, 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 I was like, yo, can I get some advice? And the main thing he told me is, get out the city, man. Really? Yeah. Really? Okay, yeah. so at 19, yep. you get your first big placement. How did that come about? Uh, and who was the artist? It was Ray Cash. Shout out to Ray Cash. Shout out man. to Ray Cash. You know what I mean? We had our ups and downs over the years, man. But that's always the homie because I feel like... That was the first big artist, major artist that gave me like a shot to do a whole project with. Them. Yeah. At the time, I was producing stuff for like other artists that was popping like on like this was like the blog mixtape era. So like, take us back to that. What year was that? 
So the blog era, that's my favorite era in this rap music shit. So that was like 2009, 2008, 2009, 2010. Okay. So if you remember like illroots.com, mm-hmm. um, um even like 8081.com, just different sites like that where people was getting hit to new music at. Like I kind of cornered that market. Like I was producing for all those artists. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So okay. Through that led me to uh, producing for Ray Cash. I met like some of Ray Cash's people while I was going to college. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I just linked up with him. He was fucking with my beats. I ended up producing a whole album for him, and 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 I ended up uh, getting some major features for that shit too. Maybe it was because I was, you know, I'm working for a major artist now, finally. So like yeah. other bigger artists are starting to pay me more attention. Yeah. So I was able to get like I got currency on the project. Yeah. Um, I got chip on the project, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. That's big. So that was my first big thing. But prior to then, I was just doing all local artist music. But that yeah. was part of my plan on the come up to like produce for all the local artist that's hot mm-hmm. and got a buzz and that's gonna uh work i'm gonna work my way up the totem pole type mm-hmm. shit so were you a producer first then you became a dj i was or a, was it all opposite no nah, it was at the same time you know i okay. decided i wanted to do, to do music and i i wanted to rap honestly i wanted to make beats and i wanted to dj mm-hmm. oh, i love it mm-hmm. yeah so okay so but um, i sucked at rapping though no. <laughs> <laughs> hey at least you honest at least you honest, you know. I was good. I was good. I was creative with the ideas and stuff like that, but you could tell production was my, you could tell production was my niche. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, but yeah. that's what's up. That's what's up. Um, tell me, tell me in in college, what made you kind of lean towards that whole? Uh, I'm gonna start producing in college. I'm gonna start DJing in college. And how did that having that place? To kind of like test your all your beats and all your DJ. How did that help you? You I, well, I didn't start DJing in college. I was DJing before then. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, wait, re, re, reform the question for me. Okay, so I know how to properly answer this. My I got you. Team. No, you're good. Um, so, and so you started before college. Uh, you started DJing and everything. Did you have that buzz going into college for producing and DJing? I did, but but like, see, see what I'm saying? Like prior to college, I was DJing high school parties. Right. So you were DJing so high school parties. You know that shit don't really matter once you get to college because you damn near you a grown person now. So you essentially reinventing yourself. So yeah. It was no clout associated with that, or like you know, it's like I had to start over. Yeah. You know, like or not necessarily start over, but like take it to the next level. Was it another city? Like where was the college? I was Cleveland State. I didn't that, even leave. Okay. Okay. That I helps me know where you. So you coming in but you don't they don't really know you for that yet not necessarily but 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 what happened was i guess word got around mm-hmm. word got around because um i ended up flunking on my courses at <laughs> okay because i was like doing the just my prerequisites like my, yeah. my gpa was so bad man we have technical difficulties <laughs> we good though this is why it's a podcast we can do shit like this yeah, you're right. <laughs> keep going no, nah, we will. We definitely, yeah. We'll we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. But we'll let y'all get that together. It died. Yeah, it, it, it died, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, it got the power button on that bitch. Okay, so so you started. All right, we gonna get to that college and shit. Yeah, we gonna get to that college shit where you. Well, you really knew you could do it. All right. 
We good? Yeah. All right, bet. <laughs> All right, so um, college, right? So, yeah. um, when did you know you could actually be a full-time producer, DJ? So, I was really going through it in college, man. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if I should be there or not, but again, I was working on the project for Ray Cash, and I was still kind of unsure. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like a light bulb went off in my head one day, and this is actually. I have to fast forward past CSU because I got kicked out by this point. Okay. So I'm still like, I'm really at that point where like, what do I do now? Because I'm I, I'm out of it. Now I, I yeah. can really hit the production hard or I can kind of like go back to school route yeah. and make it work. So I'm like, let me. I'm so you go. flunked out completely. I flunked out completely. So and this is before or after the Ray Cash album dropped. It, 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 didn't, it didn't drop yet. I was okay, still working better, on better, it. Better. Like, That's a tough time. I had got the currency feature. But like I transferred to, to Tri-C to yeah. raise my GPA, yeah. which was stupid. I'm going to go back to Tri-C to raise my GPA to go to CSU to take my prerequisite course. I was doing all this shit ass backwards. Right, just right, making right. a bill for myself, and I didn't right. need to be there. So that a light bulb went up on my head, like man, I just hit the record for currency. I'm doing a whole album for Ray, even though Ray wasn't current, he wasn't signed to a major label anymore at that time. But just I knew I was moving in the right direction. Yeah, because it was somebody that I was a fan of before. Yeah, that I'm actually working with now. Yeah, so I'm like, you know what? This is a sign. I don't need to be here, and I I got the fuck on. I I want. I don't even think I told my parents. I think, I think you know. He got like a letter, and you know he was catching the mail and shit. So yeah. he seen some shit, and he just told me, "Oh, so you dropped out, huh?" I'm like, yeah, I dropped out. Fuck that shit. But I was already knee deep in the production. Like, mm-hmm. so by the time he had found out, the Ray Cash shit was already out. Okay, I was getting booked more on the DJ side. Yeah. So what really turned shit around too was CSU. I had networked with so many people at CSU. Yeah. Got my name out. That CSU started hiring me to DJ they shit. Oh, that's and I big. was I wasn't like an official employee at CSU, but I was a a a, a, a the listed, people's champ. I was a listed contractor that they had. Mm. It meant a lot to me. Like, damn, y'all think enough of me to hire me to do this shit. I'm getting paid, but I still owe y'all money technically. Right, that shit crazy to me. <laughs> right, so that that's what let me know. Yeah, that shit is real. Like, yeah, everything. That's what it was. Okay, so you. DJing, going back and forth, and um, you make the you make the jump to do this full time. You like fuck it, I'm not going back to school. I'm not gonna keep making a bill for myself. I'm gonna do this full time. So, what in your head switched was like, I'm gonna have to make incomes, different incomes this whole time. It wasn't even that. See, the thing about it was, since I was a kid, bro, I was always doing different shit. So you've like, been hustling. Yeah, but it wasn't necessarily to make money. I didn't look at it like as a hustle. Like, I'm an artist at the end of the day, man. And I did everything under the umbrella of... I'm not going to say making music, because I didn't do everything. But I, I was rapping. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't a source of income, but but the production, DJing, and I even did art. That was a big thing too. For yeah, me. I was doing custom painted shoes, wow. shirts. Um, so I didn't really look at it as a hustle because I was doing it for free. It just got to a certain point where like I had to start selling my shit. Yeah, you know the demand mean? got so high. The demand wasn't even like oh I needed some money. I needed it. I'm like nah. I even tried to get a summer job. Like that was I didn't even put two and two together at first. Like oh I could. Just do my music shit and, and make a living. You know yeah. what I mean? It didn't even click at first. I'm thinking I got to go the regular route. But one day I looked up like, man, I do so much shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, could, I could sell this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't have to. At first, 
it made sense to do music for free to make these beats for my to my friends and 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 and, and really like get my craft to where it needed to be mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying the, the, you know what i mean you feel what i'm saying yeah so the um the craft in itself how long did it take you f- to really become confident as a producer um, confident um conf- confident in what way though like because i don't know like then I you can like send the beat pack and you know they're gonna get on oh i always was confident i was overly confident as a kid like I okay used to, bro i used to enter beat battles like at uh like grog shop used to have beat battles and shit. they used to have some shit on the west side mm-hmm. um at this club called hi-fi i used to go there all the time underage yeah and get in and i would i would battle grown-ass men with beats and shit and I would lose every time, man. Yeah. I had that confidence. Yeah. Like, my dad used to be in there with me ready to fight grown-ass man <laughs> and shit because he mad because I done lost. But Yeah. So, how influential was your father? Because I know he was a big part of uh, just being a support system for you. My dad was uh, real influential in what I'm doing. He never he did, he never did music or nothing right. like that. But he was just always a, a supporter of what I you know like the shit that i wanted to pursue and yeah. i was never the type of kid to just pursue some shit just because it was popular at mm-hmm. the moment um he knew i had to be real passionate about shit for me to even pursue it yeah and he had no problem supporting it as long as my grades was in order so okay i didn't make the best grades but i always made sure i you know what i mean like i i i graduated type shit or you know what i mean i mm-hmm. wasn't getting in all types of wild type trouble because I knew I had a father that would support me along the way. And he did. You know what I mean? Like, he wouldn't do shit like buy me all my equipment like when I was a kid. Like, I would have to save my own shit. But he would actually be the one to help me pick it out. He would be, yeah. he, gotta, he would match me type shit with wow, the money. Okay. Like, that type That's of shit. That's big. So it wasn't like, oh, some spoiled kid. He did it. Like, nah, not at all. No, you had to work for it. You yeah, but to. he would do shit like, um, like, for example, when I was a kid, I used to play the clarinet. And so did I. That's crazy. Yeah, I used to play the clarinet. So in, in Atlanta, in this place called Five Points in Atlanta, it's real popular for like. Shout out Five Points. Yeah, it'd be yeah, like hella that light. That should be gone. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of shit that go on down there. But it's also, it'd be a lot of like musicians that just be on. So they be hustling down yeah. there playing the instruments. So he's like, you could do that. You know, even though you were a kid. you And that built my confidence too. I'm yeah. like, can I really? And he was like, try it. And I did it one day and he kind of supervised me. Like, mm. He put me out there in the corner. I had my instrument with me. I had my little uh, bucket out there to catch the change or whatever. Yeah. And he stood kind of a couple feet away like yeah. he was a random person. Yeah. And people was actually, I only knew like three or four songs, but he was like, just keep playing them over and over. And I made like 60 bucks in like an hour, which was like mind-blowing what? to me. And it was even more mind-blowing to me for the simple fact that I want to say around the time in Atlanta, me and my family was homeless. If we wasn't homeless at that time, we was homeless like before that. So... I had never seen nothing like that before mm-hmm. to actually, and I don't think my dad has seen nothing like that yeah. before either. Like, you know, he had been an entrepreneur before and shit like that, but he understood how real business worked, not like entertainment. Type yes, shit, yes, because you know? it's a big difference. So that's just on a small level, but that's what instilled the confidence for sure. Okay, I at an early se- age, never second guess my beats, even when my shit was whack. Like I knew my shit was gonna get better as long yeah. as I continue to learn and keep doing it. Yeah, and I was on my five beats a day for three summer shit like Kanye. So speak on that. Speak on that. The five beats in in, in three. Five beats a day one- for three summers. That was like yeah. a rule. That was like a rule. I, it's not a rule I came up with, but I looked at it as a producer rule because I heard Kanye say that shit. Okay, I mean, like I used to. 
I have a subscription to Scratch Magazine growing up, and mm-hmm. I would read about the DJs and producers, and they would be kicking their different knowledge and shit like that, kicking different game, and I would just soak it all up, and that's one thing I remember. I, Kanye actually said that in a song. But I think he, I today, think I remember that, yeah. Right, and I, I took that shit as like, you know, that's like God saying that shit. At the How time. much did that help you? Just practicing your craft over and over and over and over. I, I mean... I mean, it's like a basketball player that, that, that plays basketball every day and practices every day. Like, it only sharpened my sword. And um, I don't know. Like, it, it instilled something different in me because when I was doing that five beats a day for three summers, it was a different motivation. It yeah. wasn't like I'm trying to get paid off yeah. of that shit. I knew I That's was doing it to get better. To get like, to, yeah. I used to do shit like just do do projects, like I, like little fake-ass albums with people. When I, you know, it's not fake. It's real. We really working on music. But right. Like, it's just I Putting know the concept together. Yeah, yeah. It'll be it. some shit that we probably won't even put out, but right. I do it just to like you know get the experience. Yes. Type yeah, shit yeah, yeah. And Learn how the whole process goes. Yeah. Do what beginning not to, do. to end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I when it's time for me to really do a project with somebody, really produce a song for somebody, I already you know what I mean. Yeah. So I had like I had like 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 my my homie now he's my best friend he don't even rap no more he rapped when you know what i mean when we was younger and shit like that but even when he stopped rapping i continued to work with him yeah because i was still a new producer yeah and i knew like even though this shit probably ain't gonna go nowhere this is gonna help me yeah you know what I mean? and it did that's a big and i i want to emphasize that because i think the uh i think produ- young producers need to hear that like keep working keep working that that five beats and three in, in one day for three summers. Yeah, but they get they get discouraged though, the new producers though. Oh, they get 100%. really discouraged because they be like, damn, their attention span is short, so they feel like I've been making beats for three months. Man, little baby ain't rapped on my shit yet. Right. Quit. Right. Like it don't work like that. It don't. Man. So how does it work? I don't well, I it may work a little differently now, but I know back then I mean, it's a totem pole to this shit. You're not finna just come out the gate producing for little baby. You right. gotta work your way up. Right. You know, um, a lot of times producers don't know the difference. New producers may not understand the difference between a producer and a beat maker. Come on. I didn't for the longest. Kick this game, M. Stack. I used to be feeling like, oh, that's just old niggas hating. Like they don't understand whatever. It's, it's all the same, but it's really not, man. Mm-hmm. A lot of these young niggas be having a lot of uh, clout behind their name, and mm-hmm. you may hear they they tagging different uh, songs that's out right now. Yeah. But they won't even know how to produce for an artist one-on-one because we live in such a digital age, an internet era, which is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It makes it super convenient. But it's producers out here that solely, that's them. They make they sit at home all day and make beats mm-hmm. and just send them bitches out. And he, they land in placements too, which is the crazy part. But if you put them in the studio with these artists, they'll be lost. Wow. So, so I mean, what's the biggest difference from working with a person um, and producing a song and making a beat for an artist. I be first of all as a producer, one thing is for sure, you can't be scared to speak your mind. I know most producers be real timid about. They don't, you know, because yeah. a lot of times these beat maker niggas just be fans of the yeah. artist and just be so happy that the artist is using they 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 beat. Mm-hmm. And it's deeper than that. The 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 the, the rapper or mm-hmm. singer, whoever you working with, the artist that you working with, they want you to bring the best out of them. Yeah, a, a yeah, 100%. It's not going to do that shit. I used to be that way. Okay. I used to be like, when I when I first started working with Bodie James, I used to be scared to speak my mind on shit. Like, man, what the fuck I'm going to say? You already got a deal. You already doing your thing. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's what they need. Yeah. So that's the main thing that separates a beat maker from a producer. A producer is going to take control of the whole session. 
Like, yeah, you got a, you got your fire engineering shit, but the producer is going to tell you how to actually rap this shit, tell you if this shit sound whack, tell the engine, actually communicate with the engineer mm-hmm. too. Yo, you need to slide this over. Mm-hmm. Don't use that effect. Don't use that plug-in. Use that. Yeah. So that's my job. You know what I mean? That's crazy. That's a, that's a big part of the song and the part of the team that you need to make a, a actual hit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think artists today are very, very... Artists are... Artists, producers, all these, everybody new are like, if it don't, if it don't work out in the first three months, then it's not going to work. Or I'm not where I want to be. So fuck this shit. And it's like, nigga, you trying to make a 20 year career out of this. I'm saying. How are you going to do that in three months? So how did you feel when you actually knew you was on the right path and where, and you knew you you was headed towards something bigger than yourself, like working with these big artists that we about to start name dropping. Um, when did I feel like that? Yeah. I mean, probably like 2011, 2012, just because, uh, I, how do I put it? Like, I don't know. Like, it, I feel like my brand was like fully established at that point, mainly mm-hmm. because my shit was always on the blogs. Mm-hmm. That was like the main source of everybody getting their music information. The blogs. I'm talking about. So how did you start getting on those blogs? Because you got on some big blogs. Because I was going back and forth to Chicago a lot. You mm. know what I'm saying? One thing about these blogs is they follow, or that they don't really exist no more. But you know, when they did, one thing they did do was they followed one another. They followed the trend. Mm-hmm. So if one big one posted something, they would all follow suit. Okay. So I used to go back and forth to Chicago a lot. My family is from there. Plus. I was just producing for a lot of artists at the time from there. And um, I met a dude named Andrew Barber that owns FakeSureDrive.com. Mm-hmm. And they cover all the Chicago shit. They still relevant to this day. They, uh, they're they on Shade 45 and shit like that. But they used to post my shit all the time. Mm-hmm. So all the blog, other blogs would see that shit. And be like, oh, who the fuck is this dude? Mm-hmm. And eventually, like, XXL and Source, all those different blogs started covering my shit on their own. Really? So, how did that feel as a producer? No, nah, that felt great. I knew exactly what to do too. I'm like, this is a. Uh, I need to start networking with and start building real relationships with these. Let's outlets. talk about so, that. How so, do you build a real relationship with an artist? Uh, well, with an artist. Oh, 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 with an artist. Oh, oh, this, this is, this is, this is some real shit. Art. Uh, just people need to understand in general, man. Come on. You have to work ground, uh, ground up with these artists, man. You can't just reach for the sky and think, oh. I'm a producer. I make hot beats. I'm about to start producing for uh for for Lil Wayne or some shit like that. Nah, bro. Start in your own hometown and find you an artist that nobody ever heard of mm-hmm. and help develop a sound for them. Yeah, I get it. You want to produce for all the top artists and shit like mm-hmm. that, but a real producer, bro. I feel like should start with their own artists. Yeah. help them develop a sound. Yeah, shit before they start. You know, talking about all the shit they can do for Lil Wayne. Or, right. You know, whoever whoever it is, man. Now talk about the the business side of building co- relationships with the blog owners mm-hmm. and and the uh what is the venue owners and you know the promoters and shit like that. How do you build those relationships? You got to create leverage, man. And as a producer, you got to you got to wear multiple hats. So again, you can't just be a beat maker. Mm-hmm. You, like if you want certain media outlets to post your shit and support your music or whatever the case may be, you got to actually, um, like I said, bring more to the table. Like, for example, like a couple of these blog outlets, like uh, 
like for like live mixtapes and double XL, like these these guys have have like live performance events. Like they do South by Southwest, which yeah. I used to go to every year. I I would DJ these events. Yeah, and some of this shit I wouldn't even uh, get paid for. I mean, wow. South by Southwest, most people wasn't get paid for anyway. Unless right, he was a super big artist. Right. but that's part. You of usually got to pay. Yeah, that pay too. Shit. That yeah. too. Yeah, but. Wherever I could help at, if I could do some shit to help to strengthen what they doing, I would do that shit. Yeah, you know strengthen saying? the relationship. And in return, they would support whatever the fuck I had going on. If yeah. I was producing for a different artist, whatever. We dropped a song, they was posting it. Yeah. Type shit. So that's how I build the relationships. Okay. You know? And I wasn't afraid to pull up on nobody too. Like if I met you online type of shit and 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 you do me say you rap or something like that and I'm fucking with what you got going on. I'll pull up to your city, especially if it's in close proximity. That's why I was always back and forth with Chicago. Yeah. So yeah, I built the relationship online, but I actually showed up in person too. Right. Coming out the different I ain't give a fuck what it was. I yeah. was there. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. And a lot of people don't do that shit now. They stay online. Well, you got COVID, bro. You got to get people. Well, now, yeah. So you more so got to rely to being online. But even then, people be scared to do that shit, too. Yeah. They be having too much pride to DM a nigga or, or you know. They don't think that. it'll work anymore. Right. You know. But th- I think that's a lie. I think that's a myth. Of, of what? Of people... Of people DMing people and it not working. Man, what? You tripping. That's the main way to contact somebody. Exactly. I'm always checking my DMs. Especially if you own your shit. If you a person, if you're an artist, if you a DJ, if you a producer, and you actually been doing it for a little bit, six months, a year, two years, three years, and you start DMing different people, people are going to want to reach out with you because they know that you've been putting that shit on on. On wax, basically putting yeah. it in, putting in the work, and you showing it on social media. So niggas is, I feel like people do get afraid of rejection when you should be just pushing for who really want to rock with you anyway. Man, I, I was never afraid of that shit. Man, I remember in the Twitter days, I used to stay reaching out to people. I used to stay tweeting people. I didn't give a fuck who it was. If I was fucking with your shit, I liked your music. I reached out. Yeah. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. Yeah. Like, but you know so how did it feel um working with a lot of the big time pittsburgh um mm-hmm. artists when they were on their come up like the wiz khalifas the mac millers how did that feel it felt good and it, it reassured me that i really got an ear for this shit and i got a knack for like finding new artists yeah that's like really my thing like you got different producers like uh you got you go to zaytoven if you want that trap sound if you want to break out in atlanta any type of way mm-hmm. you go to uh, uh i don't know who else maybe ke on the track if you're looking for like a pop sound mm-hmm. you come to m stacks you come to me if you need help developing a sound in yeah general. if you a new artist yeah that's what i spell I, I i produce a lot of different shit but th- as far as like working with different artists mm-hmm. that's my specialty and if you look at my track record of the artists that i work with from wiz to mac the currency, these was all artists that was new mm-hmm. at that time. At that time, yeah, so, you yeah. caught them real early. Real early. That's what's up. How did that? Um, how, like you said, that that gave you the confidence that you had that ear to really develop an artist and help the help the artist in a way that maybe another producer can't. So when did you know um, that for you it was more about developing the artist than it was. Just being the biggest, getting the biggest name and everything like I that. Because I just noticed the trend, and I'm I'm real self-aware of what I got going on. Yeah. So eventually, I just woke up and just started paying attention like, damn, okay, it's happening like this. I'm finding all these new artists. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, I produced two, three songs for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They eventually drop a project with a consistent sound. Yeah. They shit grows from there and they end, end up eventually signing to some major record deal. Yeah. I think the first person I saw that happen with was Machine Gun Kelly. Really? And it was like Vic Mensa after that shit. Yeah. He signed to Rock Nation. It was like one after another. I'm like, damn, I'm on to something. Yeah. And even to this day, that shit, that's how it works. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's big. That's huge, though. So how has the D, how is the producer and DJing lane changed since 2010 2011 when you was uh, really popping? Cause I was like the uh, it was a different era in that era. That was like the blog era. Uh, that was the mixtape era. Yeah, the whole shit flipped. Like even for example, like if you drop the Gangsta Grills tape today, mm-hmm. DJ Drama, it's gonna be a big deal. But it's not gonna mean what it meant seven when years they was doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, that's the difference. We're in a playlist era. It's a shorter attention span. Mm-hmm. The music is just different. It's shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the content is different. Not saying it's any bad or, or, uh, it's or just any better, but it's just, you know, it's it's different for sure. So speak on some of the mixtapes you put together. Why did you do them and what made you, um, what made them a success to you? Um, well, I put a lot of uh, uh, independent uh mixtapes out for like up and coming independent artists. Yeah. But the real ones that uh stand out to me was like the the Ray Cash tape that I did, mm-hmm. Rose Ray. That was a big one. And the biggest one honestly was um I did a tape for Boldy James called Live at the Roxy. Okay. L A T R. Um that got a big response on it because we got a lot of uh, dope features on there. Yeah. And that was like right at the height when he was signed to Mass Appeal, which is Nas's label. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, what's the biggest difference since you've been able to go back and forth um, between Atlanta and Cleveland? What's the biggest difference in the, in the industry, in the scene of music? All right. So, in Atlanta, they're more support. I thought it was our cap at first, but I've seen it with my own eyes. Like, being back as, as an adult now, seeing how they get down, they really support the arts out there. They really take it serious. So, like, for example, if you threw... Uh, uh, a showcase for for independent artists here in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. It's it'll be somewhat of a struggle, like it always is for most promoters to try to pull that shit off. Here. Yeah, it's a struggle to get people to come out. Uh, uh, artists how, to invest in themselves. Exactly. Yes. They don't. They exactly. Yeah. Uh, even like the whole mind frame of like just a regular club goer, right? They're not gonna pay the cut. Let's be real. In Cleveland, they're not finna pay to see that shit. You know what I mean? They it's don't like know they who gotta, that is. They gotta really fuck with that person yeah. and support them to come out. And they really only come in and support that person. Yeah. They're gonna leave when they're done. They're yeah. not gonna stay for this whole event. So in Atlanta in Atlanta, they're coming out for that. That's dope. You'll be surprised. Like people won't even know nobody there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like it'll be like a, a, a independent showcase, and people will be walking by, like, "What you guys got going on in here?" <laughs> oh yeah, I'll come in. Here's twenty dollars. Like, really? That's what they do out there? Yeah. They stay for the whole shit. That's a that's, big culture difference. That's what I'm saying. You gain real fans that way. You do. You'll be surprised, man. There's people down there that like you probably never even heard of before, and they probably only got like five, six thousand followers on on Instagram and Twitter or something like that. But they booked up. Every other day in Atlanta, just really the culture. Now there's so much live performance opportunities going on. Now. Yeah. So yeah, that's big. So what um what artists have you seen on the up and coming side in Atlanta and Cleveland that you think have has the it factor that an MGK does? Um, and that uh, this nigga back here throwing up game. I know, right? 
<laughs> you good? Yeah, I know it. I got you. Um, what? Um, so, what artist uh, do you do you see um, on the underground side that that really has that it factor that may be able to take that next step? Uh, it has to be Atlanta or Cleveland. No, 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 no. Just uh, period. Damn, that's a good question, man. I know, I know, in Cleveland for sure, it's this young kid named Young Mech. He's okay. 16. He's dope as hell. Actually, um, I found him on Instagram just randomly, man. Yeah? Yeah, he's dropping some shit, man. I actually produced a couple joints. I, I produced a whole project for him. That's what's Actually, up. it's called Mech Season. But other than him, um, on a major level, man, in Atlanta, it's this dude named Lil Crank. I'm really tuned in with his shit, yeah. man. Yeah, he's uh, signed to Holiday. He's dope. Um, DJ Holiday? Yeah, DJ Holiday. And it's, an, it's another artist from Alabama. His name is Lil E Still Jumping. I produced a whole project for him, too, and it's hosted by uh, Trapaholics. Um, so who else have you been working with um, down uh, there? It's not an Atlanta person, but I got a whole album coming out with uh, Bizarre from D12. That's my homie. So You did a lot of stuff for him. Yeah, I did a lot of stuff, but I never did a whole album for him. So we just That's big. That. It's called I'm the Rapper. He's... Actually, it's called I'm the DJ. He's the weirdo. Sorry. I'm the DJ. He's the weirdo. Okay. Yeah. And that's a joint venture with y'all, too? Yep. That's it's big. hard, too. It's hard on some weird shit. But when does like, that come out? We haven't picked a date for it yet. Okay. But it's, it's completely done. It's in the can. We just... Um, he's shooting a reality show right now, which is why we kind of got it on ice. He's shooting mm-hmm. a reality show where he like working out and losing hella weight. So, okay. That's mm-hmm. what's up. We even waiting to shoot the videos and shit. Don't wait till he gets skinny. Then we gonna shoot them shit. Facts. So, um, you say you've been getting booked up a lot in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, what type of shows and stuff have you been able to do with uh, coronavirus out wild and stuff like that? Nothing too crazy. It's just been like showcases. It's been like little small uh, clubs and shit like that. Yeah. Because like, again, like, um, it's a lot of DJs in Atlanta, man. Oh, uh, I, I bet it's shit ton out here. It's a lot. So. Even with the small shit that I've been DJing in Atlanta, it's still the most that I've DJed since I've been in Atlanta. Because I feel like once once I finally got situated in Atlanta, mm-hmm. then COVID hit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because so, you left late 2019. Right before COVID. Look, right before COVID. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I got situated. You know what I mean? Then, and then boom. Yeah. Because, you know, like, you got to go through that. Like, for me, like... You know, when you go to, to like, a new city, you move into a new city and shit like that, and you're trying to get into the entertainment shit in that city. Mm-hmm. It's not just going to happen like that. Right. I don't fuck if you M-Stacks or whoever you are. Right. You still got to play, your, know your role type yeah. of shit, and then work your way in. Yeah. So, when I, by the time I work my way in, COVID hit. Right. So, yeah. So, but how yeah, is... I'm back in action now, man. But how is the shit. Shade uh, 45 shit going for you? It's cool. It's only once every blue moon, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, how did that connection happen? Again, back and forth to Chicago, I met uh, Andrew Barber, who okay. was Fake Shore Drive. Remember I told you he, he got the show on Shade 45. Yep. That's how the connection went into the guest. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Mm-hmm. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. So Andrew had already remembered me from coming back and forth to Chicago. Yeah. Different shit. And, and that happened, what, five, ten years ago almost. Exactly. So, so connections like that can come back around. It always if, does. It always does. If you do it right. Yeah, but most people, you know, they'll look at, like, the, um, I don't know, the lower guy on the totem pole mm-hmm. and just kind of, like, dismiss them. Yep. I don't do that, man. I'm going to embrace you because I know one day you're going to move up that totem pole. Yep. One day I'm going to need something. So, I put my, <laughs> I'm going to just keep it real. That's yeah. the way I think, bro. One day I'm going to need something. So, I'm going to put myself in the position where I'm going to be here for you if you need something for me. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? That's just how it works. So That's that way it. it doesn't come off like you using somebody. This is how you build a relationship. Right. But people just look at it like, oh, no. This nigga's a peon, and I'm not a dick sucker. So... Those two things, yeah, that's how they look at shit. Yeah, like, oh, it's called networking, man, and it's called understanding that motherfuckers are gonna one day move up that totem pole. That's a fact. That's a fact. And being patient on re- building the relationship, I think people yeah. get real antsy when people aren't all head over heels on what you got going on. When the thing is, it's all about timing in this game anyway. If the timing ain't right, the shit gonna be fucked up anyway. Yeah, exactly. So it's just. I think it, I think that's a great outlook that people need to hear. Like a, a a relationship you started seven eight years ago turned into a guest spot on Shade Forty Five. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. P- plain and simple. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's going to bode well for you on another venture. Meeting all the people over there, doing what you're doing over there. That's going to bode. It's just connecting them dots. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You one of your slogans and what you say um, a lot is you connected everywhere. Yeah, connected what does them. that mean to you? That's just some shit that I started saying like um, in like 2010, 2011. Um, just because I started noticing what was happening. Like mm-hmm. My working skills is low-key impeccable, man. <laughs> so I'm like, damn, I'm really connected everywhere because I'm like, like, again, I was going back and forth to Chicago and other places too. And every place he went, I was really plugged in. And people was really, like, respecting my brand. Yeah. And I really couldn't see it like that in Cleveland. Yeah. I could only really see it going outside of my city. Like, motherfuckers, like, damn, bro, you really am stacks. Like, I wouldn't get that type of love in Cleveland. I don't give a fuck. Not, to, again, not to throw no shade on Cleveland, but it's just, like, because you from there. That's any city you from. They feel like they know you because they saw you. Type shit, so yeah. you know it's just a different type of outlook. You kind of got to get out to feel the re- the feel of what you've been doing, right? Yeah, I can I can definitely understand that. Um, where did the name M Stacks come from as a DJ? Oh uh, man, I wish I would have changed it early on, man. <laughs> real shit. Wish I would have kept my my real name, my government name. But um, that came from I was DJing in high school. I was booked up like crazy. Uh, I don't even want to say it like that because I sound like I was. I don't know, like popping on the DJ inside in mm-hmm. high school because I wasn't. Mm-hmm. But I ended up getting a gig on the West Side, uh, DJing some random white biker bar type shit. And my dad, I think he's the one that locked it in for me because I wasn't, I wasn't of age. But the way he pitched it was like, I got a DJ company, I got DJs at a, um, and then I came in as one of his DJs. Okay. And I ended up DJing. Yeah. And they never really asked my age. Yeah. Didn't care. So here I am, 16 years old, 17, and I really wasn't making nothing. But but it's but the amount I was making was more than I would make like at a, you know, if I was go work at McDonald's at that and age. And you 16, 16 I, DJing. Bro, I was making a hundred bucks per night, and I'm booked up Friday and Saturday. That's dope. So I'm coming home smelling like. Cigarettes. That's back before the smoking ordinance too. Yeah. So, you know, and them white biker bars, they blowing that bitch down. Down. With fucking camels and fucking uh, pile miles or whatever the fuck they smoke. Um, but yeah. Okay. So um. Oh yeah, but no, no. You asked me how I got the name. Yeah. How you got it? So, we even got so, that. Yeah, man. My bad. I'm high. So look, look, look. So look, I'm getting paid. Uh, keep going. Keep going. Friday and Saturday. I'm. Uh, it's a. It's a hundred bucks per night. So. Mm-hmm. By the time I look up, I've been DJing for like three, four months at this place. I got a fucking knot bigger than my head. Oh, you know shit. I mean? You ain't touched it at all. I had nothing to spend it on. You know what I mean? Dumb nigga. <laughs> you like wasn't me. even I smoking sh- back then. I wasn't smoking nothing back then. That's crazy. And, and 
what I really should have spent my money on is I should have, uh, I should have, I should have took driving classes. I realized like I looked up, everybody was driving. I'm like, damn, how are everybody driving? <laughs> Cause nigga, we took driving class. Right. And I came to my my parents like, man, how come y'all ain't put me in driving class? Like, what the fuck we gonna put you in driving class for? You can put yourself in them. Right. You didn't want to do that with your money. Right. But I big had a big fact. ass knot, and I was just coming to school with it, and people just started calling me that. <laughs> Stacks. stacks. It was, was dough stacks at first. And mm. I'm like, man, like, that shit sound kind of lame. Dough stacks. I'm gonna <laughs> call myself M stacks. Okay, okay, I can feel that. That's dope. So when did you start smoking? Um, I started smoking at 25. First time I went on like a major tour. Yeah. And I'm sure you're gonna ask me why I started smoking. Come on, but, now. but um, I was on tour with DJ Premier. I was a big fan of DJ Premier. I still am. Big Gangstar yeah, fan. Big, so shout out. He's still doing his thing. Right. I was on tour with him and Royce the Five Nine. Royce don't do no type of drugs. He he don't touch no. I nothing. Nothing. Now. Per, yeah. Now. now. Right. Right. Yeah, right. 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 He's recovered now, yeah, so he don't do that yeah, shit. Right, but he, yeah. bro, he's so strong. Though he can be around that shit. Like he said, that shit don't phase him. He don't, That's he don't want it. But Premier. He never really had a problem, but, you know, he's still indulging, and he's still, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, I look up to Premier. I'm like, damn, he make this shit look cool. I want to be a cool old nigga like yeah, this, yeah, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? He bringing out bad bitches on the road, all kind of <laughs> shit. I'm like, let me see what this about. Plus, the fucked up part of but fucked up part about it was we was going to like the West Coast hitting dispensaries. Ooh. So I'm not even going to dispensaries with these guys because I don't smoke. But we are traveling together. Yeah. So I, you know, I wake up in the in the van and everybody got big bags of pre rolled, you know, yeah. what I mean? joints and shit. And I'm like, and I remember one time we was uh, uh we was in like El Paso, Texas, mm-hmm. which is right by the it's like hella border patrol because it's so close to Mexico. Mm-hmm. So I remember we got some shit from a dispensary and we just had to smoke it all right there. What? That was like one of my first times really smoking weed. Like I was like just trying it. Yeah. So. So you had to smoke it all. How much was it? That shit was probably like, I don't know, man. The shit had to probably be like 30, 40 pre-rolls. Shit. And we had, we was like giving them away. People was looking at us like we was crazy. We yeah. didn't want to get caught with it nor did we want to waste the weed. Facts. That's funny. Yeah. That's a crazy story how you get started, though. Like, Bro, I got started really? smoking, like, good weed, which was the crazy right. part. And then I had to, and after the tour, I had to take my ass back to Cleveland. <laughs> how about that? You know that shit wasn't good back then. Come on, man. It, that shit just started getting good. I ain't going yeah. to hold you. But um, that's what's up, man. That's what's up. So what's next for 2021, 2022 before we get out of here? Uh, like I said, I got the Bizarre album on the way. Yes. Um, I'm yes, the DJ. Yes, yes. He's the weirdo. Um, I got another project dropping, man. Um, like a compilation project, just all my production. I don't have a name for it yet. Okay. But that shit coming. Um, what else I got going, man? I got a project coming with my guy Els Jenkins. Okay. Um, from Atlanta. Um, what else I got going, man? I got a project dropping with my guy uh, Young Licks. Um, from Cali. Mm-hmm. Who else? Um, I'm trying to think. I'm hoping I don't forget nobody, man. I think that's that's it right now, man. Okay. I don't know I'm high. That's what I can remember right now. But I always got shit cooking though. Got to. You know. So talk about um before we get out of here, talk about longevity. How what's the keys to longevity in this? Um I mean your intentions from the jump, man, that's gonna determine your longevity. Mm-hmm. You just in this shit to make a quick buck or just to get famous or some shit. You're not gonna last, man. Also, if you're gonna make music in any kind of way, you gotta make music with integrity, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't just sell out trying to make some shit that you hear everybody else making. Yeah. You, the people are gonna be able to tell that your heart ain't in it. And you could think that's bullshit right now. Whatever, man. You're gonna fucking burn out at the yeah. end of the day with that you know what I mean? That type that of mentality. Sound, yeah, and that you know mentality, what I mean? yeah. So 
You got to be different, innovative, and your heart got to be in the right place. You got to really be passionate about this shit. Like, I do this music shit because I love doing it, and then the money comes after that shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you have just, you have the drive t- because you love to do it. Yeah, exactly. That's what's up. So speak on the um the brand you got on right now. All right, man. So the brand I got on is called Drain Kings. I'm the I'm the uh, brand ambassador of yes, this sir. clothing line. Yes, sir. It's out of uh, Houston, Texas, man. They got all types of fresh shit. I got on a um a sweatsuit right now, but they got we got dad hats, man. We yeah, got, that shit's tough, man. Uh, we got snapbacks. Uh, uh, we got uh, beanies. Do they got? Um, what's the website? We got uh, drankkingsclothing.com. I'll send you the link. Man. Send me the link. We are gonna uh, have it all. Drank in Kings Clothing on Instagram. Um, but yeah, we got all the different flavors too. So it's not just purple. Mm-hmm. We got the green. We got the. I gotta get you some shit. Yeah, man. man you gotta send me some yeah, shit for sure. For we'll sure, get you for together. Sure. No problem. For my sure, guy. for sure. That's what I appreciate you. Mm-hmm. How did that connection happen? Again, networking, man. You know what I'm saying. Uh, just this guy got a clothing line. He started sending me shit for like different photo shoots and shit like that. Really eventually, for free? Yeah, but you know I was promoting this brand and shit like that. And yeah. Eventually he brought me in like, yo, bro, like you want to get on some real business shit and yeah, be, be a brand ambassador. I'm like, yeah, I'm down. You know That's what I mean? We figured it out, made it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, he yeah. invested in you exactly, so you can invest in him exactly. That's how business works. That's how you really build something that turns into longevity. So, I mean, you you out here kicking knowledge, man. Uh, I just appreciate you stopping by and just rocking with me. You know what I'm saying? We've been trying to do this sit-down for a little minute, but I think this was very necessary. Hey, man, this was dope, bro. This was very necessary. Um, you went on, you only in the city for a couple days, but you back out to Atlanta. I mean, you got shit to do. I don't want to hold you, but you got anything to leave for the people, any advice? Any? I know you've been dropping advice and gems all the whole time, but you got anything to leave to the people? Um... Yeah, man. Y'all ain't heard shit yet, man. You know what I mean? Niggas be saying, oh, man, Emma Stacks, he produced for this person, Talk that person. Shit. But that was a long time Talk ago. Talk your shit. Look, man, this shit ain't over. This shit just got started for real, That's man. That's a fact. And, um, yeah, man, connected everywhere shit. What's your, um, drop your, drop your Instagram. So my Instagram is Stacks Official. My Twitter is just Stacks. Uh, uh, what else? What's the new shit everybody be on? Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Stacks on Clubhouse. Okay. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. So I got one more question. How many how many Instagrams have you got hacked? <laughs> well, I wasn't really hacked. The yeah. thing is this though, it's just Instagram and Facebook changed their policies around the time that Facebook bought Instagram. Yeah. When you start seeing that Facebook logo on there, they start getting real strict on the okay. rules. So basically if your account is super problematic, they're not even gonna try and figure out like if if people are just uh just just uh just hating and just reporting your shit for no reason, mm-hmm. they gonna look at it like, look, they're doing this for a reason. We mm-hmm. just gonna get you up out of here because they're complaining. Uh, That's what it was for me. Like I ain't used to have no filter before. I used to just cuss people out and shit like that. You know what I mean? They would say, you know, I encounter a lot of weirdos on Instagram mm-hmm. and shit. And I didn't used to hold back, so they used to report my shit. Mm-hmm. So report after report after report, they can my shit. Then I created another one, and the way the algorithm works is, once you get removed from the platform, like they're, I don't know, it's like they remember that shit, like mm-hmm. ooh, or like your IP address and mm-hmm. shit. So they're gonna catch you at some point when you make another one because they just booted you off of there. Gotcha. They're gonna let you back on at some point, but if you just, like when they boot you and you just try to come back on, one? no, they are gonna with the same. You computer. gotta relax. You yeah, gotta, like, relax type shit and then check later. Got you. So that's what happened with me. Okay. So now this one is, you know what I mean. I actually do got one more question. How is it 
reviewing people's music on live? How is that? Because I know you do that a lot. Nah, it's cool. I mean, it's necessary, man, because so many people ask me, or before I started the review, so many people used to ask me, like, yo, man, why don't you just check out my music and tell me what you think? Then I used to come, come in contact with people who didn't even want to work with me. They wouldn't even give two shits about working with me. They would just be like, look, man, I understand you produce, I understand you DJ. I just want you to listen to my music. Now yeah. I'm going to be on my way. And that shit used to just piss me off, too. I'm like, okay, fuck it. It seemed like that's all you value. Yeah. Like, but it's cool, though. It's needed because a lot of people be lying to you about your music. Man. Yeah. Be and you don't. Nah, I'm not finna lie. Man. You so, cut that shit off. I used to have my reviews. That's why it's so funny. Yeah, I used to have my that reviews last longer. But I condensed it down to an hour. Mm -hmm. Get straight to it. Let the people tap in and send their music. Because I... I, I I did it just because I got tired of people asking me to check that shit out. Yeah. I have a designated time. To right. Play, and then we're going to do it then or we're not going to do it at all. You got sponsorship too, don't you? Uh, for the show. Yeah, yeah. I got so Crunk Energy is my main sponsor. That's dope. Show, That's it's dope. Shout out to Crunk Energy, man. You know what I mean? I feel like Lil John when I'm drinking that shit, man. <laughs> I got connected with Crunk Energy when I DJed um, The Gathering of the Juggalos. That's a, uh, it's this rap group called Insane Clown Posse. They're like an older white rap group and shit. They were like... They were like face painting shit like clowns and shit. Oh, they shit. used to beef with Eminem back in the day. For real? They're like some of the biggest independent, like, just artists, period. Mm -hmm. They're not signed to nobody, but they do this big festival called Gathering of the Juggalos on some crazy white people shit. Yeah, like some NGK. I'm talking about, look it up, bro. EST it's, Fest it's, shit. It's, but it, yeah, EST Fest is like, I don't want to disrespect Kells, but it's like the, the, the baby the, of that, like the gotcha. like it, like gathering of the juggalos birth EST type type shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah that's yeah. big. That's yeah. big. Well, man, I appreciate you sitting down. We are gonna get the fuck up out of here though. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate you sitting down, man. For sure. And um, we gonna walk out. Uh, for sure. We gonna walk out for sure. Yeah, man. This has been King Teeth and M Stacks official exclusive interview. You motherfucking bitches. Yes, sir. Yep.